Welcome to It's Not What's Wrong With You. Sanctuary News Talk. Hello and welcome to our fifth episode of our podcast, It's Not What's Wrong With You. Uh, This is Jessica Brimhall and I'm here with Melissa Case. Hi. And we are going to first get started with our community meeting. Uh, So Melissa, how are you feeling today? I am feeling kind of scattered today. Okay. And what is your goal for our podcast? My goal is red flags today and make it interesting. Okay. And who can you ask for help? Jessica, I'm going to ask you for help. I will help you. Thank you. And Jessica, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling busy. Okay. And what is your goal for our podcast? Um, My goal for the podcast, pretty similar to yours, just to have a discussion about red flag meetings, like what they are and when we can use them. And who can you ask for support? I will ask you. I will help you. All right. Um, So like we said in our community meeting today, we're going to be focusing on red flag meetings. Um, It's one of the tools that we have from our sanctuary toolkit um, and really... And really, oh, sorry. I was just going to say in those questionnaires, um, we just had all of our staff complete questionnaires on the sanctuary concepts. And that was one that across the board, it, it seems like people have some trouble understanding what it is or when to use it. So great. And so red flag meetings, I, I think we've talked across all programs that there's something that we've kind of already been doing in the past. We just haven't officially started calling them red flag meetings. So I think most people are familiar with the concept, maybe just not, you know, under the title red flag meeting. Right. I would agree with that. I think, I mean, I've been a part of at least one red flag in every department. Um, I mean, whenever there's a big incident, so I know that they're doing them. Um, we just need to get better about naming it so everybody can mm-hmm. recognize what that that's what mm-hmm. we're using. Um, so we'll just start off with who can call a red flag review or a red flag meeting. And really, it's anyone. It could be staff. It could be clients. Um, it could be someone who's working directly with the client or someone uh, more based in the office. Um, really, anyone can call um, the review. Um, and we want to have a discussion about why it is that we think we need the red flag meeting um, just to kind of get everyone on the same page. Um, Why would we call a red? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just saying, I think that's kind of the, the more difficult part for people because a lot of our training material um, identifies it more for like, if we have a residential setting Mm -hmm. and so, and even our, a lot of our programs, when we have this incidents that maybe could require, like we could use a red flag meeting. It ends up being like a CFT instead. Mm -hmm. Like the team already has something in place to, um, to address the issue. And so really for us, when we really, I think where you were going, Jessica, why would we call one? Um, like injury, anytime we've had staff injury, clients injury, a car accident, anything like that, a staff or a, a family complaint about services. I think that's usually mm-hmm. when we use it. And so I think that's part of where the team struggles, where the mm-hmm. staff struggle um, onto what a red flag is. And right. They can yeah. And I, th- I think that's a good point to make too, is that it's, it's a bigger issue. So it's not like a supervision issue that can be resolved between two people, but it's really an issue that you need the perspective of an entire team. 
Right. Absolutely. And not necessarily like the client's team, because like I said, maybe if you're having a CFT already, you've already addressed that Mm -hmm. issue. But if it's something that we need to call all of our team internally, like I said, I've been a part of them as the director of operations. I've gone into team meetings, help teams use self to kind of staff and red flag what's Mm -hmm. going on. Right, exactly. Um, So the first thing that we do if we are a part of a red flag meeting is we start with a community meeting um, because that's the way that we start all of our meetings. Absolutely. Um, We have developed a form kind of based on some of the sanctuary materials um, that we use for red flag meetings, and it really helps to structure the meeting. We'll say that you start off um, with the community meeting, uh, but then you also need to have a discussion about what is the background, um, basically what has led to the event, um, just giving the team more information about what the actual issue is that we're here to discuss. Right. Um, And then after we've established that, um, we will look at self. Um, So going through those four areas, safety, emotions, loss, and future, um, and really using those to structure our problem-solving discussion, um, because that's another important point that we want to make about red flag meetings is very little time should be spent discussing what is the issue. Um, It should really be focused on presenting solutions and brainstorming, like where can we go from here? the the storytelling of here's what happened absolutely mm-hmm. um, so for safety we want to consider the safety issues that might have contributed to the problem and not just thinking about physical safety but also psychological social and moral safety um, and then looking at are there ways that we can address safety to help resolve the problem Same thing for emotions. We're going to look at what are the emotion management issues that might have contributed to the problem. Are there ways that we can address emotions to help resolve the problem? Um, For loss, we're looking at what are the things that anyone had to give up or were afraid of losing that might have contributed to the problem. Again, just as a reminder that loss, we're also talking about change. So what are some changes that might have occurred that led to the problem? Um, And then are there ways that we can address loss to resolve the problem? And lastly, for future, I think this is probably where we spend the most amount of time when we meet for red flag uh, meetings, um, talking about what are the issues about how each person defined the best outcome that might have contributed to the problem. And then are there ways that we can create a shared vision for the future to resolve the problem? So this is really where we would kind of set goals and talk about where do we need to go from here to prevent this issue from happening or whatever the case may be. Um. Right. And I think it's important to that. We really understand that we're setting an action plan. We're identifying who's going to be responsible for completing that task, giving a due date and giving up a follow, a follow-up date that we're going to come back together and kind of review how the progress we've made and how our plan has been working out or not working out. Um, are we seeing more incidents mm-hmm. or less incidents or whatever the problem may be? Have we, is our solution working? Yeah, I, I think that part is so important it. that we follow up on the issue. We don't just assume that it's fixed because, you know, we've moved beyond this or whatever the case may be, like holding each t- team member accountable and making sure that we're checking in with each other again. Right. Because this isn't just a time to like complain about what's going on. This is a solutions focused meeting to process the problem and and 
create a solution and look to the future. Um, and it's important that we do it as a group. Um, we're all smarter together. And if we all can kind of pitch in and figure out, especially if it's impacting the whole team, we want to make sure that everybody has a voice and that we're coming up with a solution. Definitely. That's gonna work. And that's a part of the form that we use internally as well. It asks, um, you know, for us to talk about self, but then also for each domain to kind of come up with an action plan um, and who's going to be responsible for that item. Right. And so we do, um, we have asked some of our staff to share times when they've used red flags. So let's hear from them. Hi, this is Ethan Gayangala from the Foster and Adoption um, Department. Um, so our department recently uh, did a red flag meeting in one of our recent team meetings. Um, the red flag meeting was just basically all the team members um, and some of our supervisors come together to kind of set a plan in what to improve and how to go about it um, just so some of the things that is occurring doesn't happen again. So specifically this red flag meeting was just um, our department meeting the deadlines and meeting just basically meeting um everything on that on a, on a date that was given to us because that was something that our department was kind of struggling with was going over deadlines and stuff like that so we all sat down together and came up and I, with plans and ideas and um what we can do better better as a whole team and kind of meeting meeting the goal as a team so we did a self model and kind of evaluate what um what are some safety concerns, um, emotional concerns, losses, and what we can do in the future. So one of the things that we did, um, we did come up with um, in setting up a plan was to come up with new due dates and to kind of focus on that so just so we can meet the deadline and more accurately. And we kind of came up with um, the Kanban flow and how we can visually see um, what we need to do um, we put dates on there, what still needs to be completed and what has been completed. So I feel like the Kanban flow was a good idea so we can all visually see what needs to be done. Um, so I think that this red flag meeting kind of put everything into perspective and what we should do as a team and what we should do as a department. Um, and it really did help me personally um, to kind of push myself more to it because I know personally myself um, <clears throat> and some of us need some push additional push and just some guidelines and I feel like the red flag meeting kind of helped that a little bit and put things into perspective that yes we do need things to get done in this department and using the red flag meeting for that um, I think help will help all of us out um, and for the future goals that we will do and and how we can meet the goals um, for this department, so, yeah. I'm Jackie, I am a family visitation aide. Uh, I'm Sebastian, and I'm also a family visitation aide. Go ahead, so when did you oh. use a red flag? Um, we had a red flag incident when we had an attempted uh, kidnapping. Um, a parent didn't want to give a child back, and so we had to call a red flag meeting, and everybody got together so we could discuss the emotions that were being felt with everybody, what needed to be done, what happens in the future. So who's everybody? Who who was invited to the red flag? Um, it was all of 
the whole FBA team as well as our immediate supervisors and you, Melissa, as, was there as well to help give us um, insight onto exactly what to do in a red flag situ situation okay. um, and kind of help lead us down the right, like the right steps to take in that kind of situation, especially in the moment. Because um, when you're in the moment, sometimes you don't really know what to do and you kind of just go on impulse. So knowing the steps that we had to take um, was really insightful in helping us know what to do in the future. Good. Anything else that you want to add? I think having a meeting as a red flag meeting helps everybody, keeps mm -hmm. everybody calm, keeps everybody on the same page, and it helps understand where you're coming from and where they're coming from. Yeah, and learning from other people's experiences um, will help others in the future, especially those who haven't had that experience yet. Knowing, okay, if you know I have an attempted kidnapping, um, these are the steps I should take, and here's what I shouldn't do and what I should do in that to make sure everybody's safe, not only me, but the child, the parents, placement, and then even others that have nothing to do with this case, like on the road. Um, make sure everybody's safe and secure is, is very important. All right, so now you've heard from some of the staff about times that they've participated in red flag meetings. Um, we did want to mention one more thing as it pertains to the red flag meeting, and that is when you're spending that time, the brief amount of time discussing what the problem or the issue is, you also want to look at um, are you possibly um, participating in any reenactments, and is that kind of contributing to the issue? Right. Right. Um, and then the other thing we also wanted to mention is if you feel like there's a need for a red flag meeting, um, please reach out to your supervisor or to Melissa or myself, and we can help kind of gather the team together to facilitate that meeting. <laughs> or help you review and see if, if red flag is the best tool to use. Mm -hmm. So we also um, want to introduce a uh, secret word during each podcast so if you are listening to the podcast um, during our segment with the segment with Jessica and I about the sanctuary concept training or one of our other segments like sanctuary and the seven commitments one of our hosts will be saying a secret word when you hear the word go ahead and send an email to me at mcase c-a-s-e at hcs-az.org to be entered into a drawing so today's secret word is going to be psychoeducation. So all you need to do is email me, um, put in the subject line, secret word, and send me the word psychoeducation if you would like to be entered into a drawing. We have a variety of prizes, so it'll be a surprise. Um, but yeah, just to kind of see who's engaged and and to get you guys some prizes for for listening to our podcast cool <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> email you the word <laughs> yes i know the word <laughs> perfect so um next up we're gonna listen to let's talk about self with michelle Let's talk about self, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about self. Hey everyone, it's Michelle. We're here to talk about self with you today. I have Eric here. Eric, um, we're going to come up with maybe a problem or an issue or 
something that you have going on that you want to use self to kind of talk through? Do you have a topic that you would like to share with us? Um, so I have a problem and um, I've kind of talked about it with one of my foster parents. Basically, she is going through um, some issues with her granddaughter um, and it's a problem because she wants to take in foster children. But at that time, at this moment, um, due to her granddaughter's behavior, uh, she really can't. So we kind of used the self during that time. And um, it, it's a safety concern because the granddaughter likes to just leave the house whenever she wants. Um, she'll throw major tantrums. And she's 17, about to turn 18. So all of these behaviors that um, she told me are not appropriate for the children that are um, that she wants to be, that she wants in the house. So, so yeah, the may many safety concerns there yes um Um, what emotions is your is your client going through she's going through a lot of concerns and she's very worried about her granddaughter turning 18 and uh, having a job um and not being mentally stable so um yeah that's something she's struggling with right now okay um and is there what what loss do you want to talk about with this topic? What well, loss with is there? Her in particular, there's the loss of her granddaughter, um, because again, like I wouldn't feel comfortable here fostering if her granddaughter is not stable. Um, so there's that chance of her having to move out. Um, there's also some loss because she really wants to foster, but at this time. Um, due to the situation, she can't. She's, she's not able to yeah, do so. So there's some loss in there too. Due to the uncertainty, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, and then moving forward, um, what about the future? What um, it, did you guys have any plans put in place? Yes. Um, so basically, I had a conversation with her. Um, I basically told her if her daughter is to continue living at the home and she's not improving, then at that time, um, we might consider closing her license. Um, but I told her I would check up on her each month and see how she's doing and how her granddaughter's doing. And it's just um, going a little far and beyond and trying to find resources for her granddaughter too, um, to help her out. So um, we're trying to be hopeful. Very good. So yeah, that's a great example of how you can use safe, um, self, safety, emotions, loss, and future to work through a problem. It sounds like she's well aware of what safety concerns there are and what losses that she has. And you guys did a good job going through and figuring out how to move forward for the future. All right. Thank you. Hi-ho, hi-ho, the seven commitments are a go. Hi-ho, 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 hi-ho. 
So welcome back to another segment of Sanctuary and the Seven Commitments. Today I have George Charles III with me. Yes, yes. Hello, everybody. How y'all doing? And we will be um, doing the Sanctuary and Seven Commitments on the new live-action Lion King. Um, so George is going to go ahead and start with the first commitment that he sees demonstrated in the movie, and then we'll kind of go from there. Um, the first one that I guess we'll pick on is social learning. Um, and just, you know, you look at the... The, the story of Lion King and how um, for for Mufasa as the, you know, the king of the lion and the king of the jungle and everything like this and him trying to embark wisdom and embark knowledge on not only himself but the rest of the herd and the pack of everybody and, um, you know, also trying to teach his son how to be a king because one day he's going to inherit the throne. Um, so when you look at it from that standpoint, I mean... He has a, a a much different role, um, you know, at, during his time in the movie as opposed to everybody else um, as the movie continues to progress on mm -hmm. through. And it's it's more him, like, not necessarily just being the leader of the pack, but, mm -hmm. again, sharing all his knowledge with everyone in the right. pack, like his wife and then Simba. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they're teaching everyone kind of how to be, like, a... Are they called a pride together? Yeah, a pride, they call it a pride. They're like yeah. a pride together. Mm -hmm. um, and they're all learning from one another and, right. you know, watching these babies grow and yeah. go through the process. So. Yeah. And I mean, when you when you look at it from a standpoint of the bigger picture, and he talks about the circle of life, mm -hmm. you know, um, he if he was one to be prideful um, in the midst of, you know, trying to teach and trying to embark his wisdom and saying, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to allow my son. I'm going to give it to, you know, somebody else or... I'm going to keep all this information to myself. Well, what good does that do? Because when you look at life and you look at this movie and how it, it progresses on this, on this, on this curve and everything like that, it, it talks about how you have to find ways to keep things going. Yeah. Um, and the only way you keep things going is by sharing wisdom, sharing knowledge and, yeah. and helping everybody learn. Um, maybe not necessarily your way, but a way that's similar that can help um, embark the wisdom that we've been speaking about. Well, and I think it's interesting, too, that you talk about the circle of life because, you know, in the movie, obviously, it's not, like, super realistic that all these animals are going to be there when, like, a new lion is born. Right, right. Um, but it is interesting to see, like, how they've all learned to, like, coexist together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like, the circle of life and, like, survival skills. So, like, yeah. you learn from the rest of your herd and the rest of right. your pack and the rest of your pride, like, how to survive. Right. Um, and that is definitely, like, a social learning, like, technique because mm -hmm. they all are, um, you know, as a group, they're learning together. It's not mm -hmm. one person standing on their own taking mm -hmm. charge. They're all doing everything together to kind of process through life. So. Right. Yeah. Very good. Um, and so, for me, you know, just to see the circle of life and just to apply it to everyday learning and everyday things that we encounter, um, we only grow as a society by, you know, picking this person up, you know, what can I embark on you? What can yeah. you learn from me? What can I learn from you? Um, and I mean, that's that's the essence of the Lion King. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just the true essence of the Lion King and social learning and you know how to grow and learn at the same pace if that makes yeah, sense. yeah and like learn from your mistakes right. and like you know i guess that is like the important feature there is like he's simba specifically is learning from the mistakes that he made yeah and then is coming back to again be the king of mm -hmm. like his pride and it yeah. shows you the process of how he's gotten from point a to point B. right right and then not even you know just to take a step back from that you know um how mufasa had to find a way to tell him you know hey this is 
you know, this is going to be yours one day. You mm-hmm. can't run away anytime things happen, you know, and, you know, ultimately that, that message comes back on later, you know, for him. Um, but he has to go through something. And, and as he goes through it, he grows through it at the same time. Yeah. So he, he finds a way to learn from a mistake um, and just remember the lesson that that Mufasa has told him, you know, some years ago, you know, so. Well, and I think it's important that you bring up that key feature of that because for a while he is on his own and Mm -hmm. he's, like, surviving on his own and is, like, totally removed from, like, his pride. Isolated, And then he comes back and works with everyone that's a part of his group to Mm -hmm. come back and make it a stronger pack and to grow from that um, mistake that he had made. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because for him, you know, he, he leaves in the midst of a tragedy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and he's made to believe that everything is is his fault, you know. The, he he feels guilty um and and you know, it's the fight or flight response, you know. Yeah. He just so he desi- desired to, you know, fly, and, you know, and just leave and and not really fight for the truth. Yeah. Not fight for, you know, the legacy that he had created. Um and unfortunately, you know, it took him to do that and you know, he had to be he had to be found. Yeah. Um, and um, in the midst of him being found, you know, he comes back to the to, to the herd or the whatever you want to call it. And and back home, pretty much. Let's yeah. say back home. And by coming back home, he sees everything has been ravaged. It's not what he was accustomed to seeing. Um, you know, how Scar had just taken over. And it, it, it was it was devastating for him because, you know, he knew that he was innocent. But in a sense, he had been mind tricked to think that he wasn't. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it it was just it was devastating for him me to watch it and for me to you know reflect back on childhood and see just how things come back around and everything like this if you don't face what you're going through or what has happened to you. Yeah, and I think it's an important message too that you know we have to reach out for help when we need it, right, and right. we can't do everything on our own. And right. as a group, we work a whole lot better than a single person. Yeah. And so it's important to lean on people who can help you and mm-hmm. who can kind of get you where you need to be. Right. And I and I think we have to, like you said, we have to find ways to reach out, you know, to people when we need help. Yeah. We've we've become a society where you know it's all about the lesson of I, yeah. you know, and and when you have a lesson and you think like that with that mindset, you don't realize that you are you're studying your own growth. Yeah. And and that's one of the things that happened in this movie. You know, the 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 pride did not grow the way that it could have, you know, because of Scar's leadership mm-hmm. and you know him wanting to be vindictive in the way that he moved um and that's what we see you know when you go out and you you look at the society you look at the way the world is you know there's a lot of vindiction in the world um because not a lot of people want to help people yeah. you know and and that's how communities they get stagnant and they come to a standstill and things like that so and that would be a good that example you just did is it's kind of the opposite of the social learning where it's ignorance and stupidity right. where everyone is just kind of on their own and mm-hmm. it's a me 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 world right. instead of working together to create a better society and to you know learn from your mistakes and learn from each other and and really just like be a community that's a good example of what the opposite of social learning is right and and that's and you know when you talk about the ignorance of scar in the movie um, he doesn't realize that his pride allowed him to tell on himself. Yeah. Um, because with him, you know, being so prideful and actually feeling like he inherited because he wasn't the the, the king's son, yeah. he was the king's brother. So he wanted to be next in line. 
And, you know, when we allow our pride to get in the way, we do become ignorant. We do mm-hmm. we do make stupid decisions. Um, and his the ignorance, ignorance is more so about, you know, it's not about blood. It's about me owning something or yeah. me being in control and that power struggle that he had. So when you look at his version of the bizarre world, you know, everything was different. You know, there was, you know, he allowed the hyenas to take place and, and, and to come in and deter how the packet and everything is supposed to be mm-hmm. ran back home for, you know, um, in the movie. So his ignorance and his level of stupidity, it definitely was, you know, the total opposite of social learning. Yeah. You know, there was nothing that they learned from him as opposed to when Mufasa was ruling. Yeah. And, and as you saw, you know, it ultimately almost, it got a lot of people killed, you know, nothing really was harvesting. Um, and, you could just tell that there was more so it went from a happy place to this this dark and evil place um, under Scar's leadership. And that was just attributed to his ignorance. Yeah. Well, and I think you bring up an important point. We're going to kind of jump around a little bit and jump into like our our bizarro world again. So that is fascism. Mm -hmm. I actually can never say that right. Um, Instead of it being a democracy, he is totally taking charge. He's changing the way people are ruling. All the animals are afraid. All Mm -hmm. the other lions are afraid. And it's just like this dark and gloomy place to be in Mm -hmm. versus when you had um, Mufasa and his democracy where Mm -hmm. everyone, again, that circle of life was really important and all the animals were there for Simba's birth and Mm -hmm. all the animals were, you know, cohesive. So that really does show like just the big difference between those two and how one leadership can be so different from another right and how when you're under that leadership that isn't a democracy it is a a fascism um people are just miserable and sad and you know it makes it makes something like coming to work every day a hard thing to do right and and when you speak about fascism you know in scar's leadership Everybody, he wanted people to fear him yep. as opposed to Mufasa in his democracy. He wanted everybody to respect and, yeah. and, and, and enjoy what he had built um, and what the, the pride and the jungle was all about. Yeah. And, you know, is is you know, when you do have that type of leadership, there is so much that goes wrong when yeah. you have a fascist um, type of mindset and you have this type of leader that doesn't really care about the people. Yeah. They care about, cares self, about themselves. Yeah. You know, and it's kind it's of back to that me, me, me thing right, where yeah. all it is is about you and what you can gain from it and right. not about the benefit of everyone else. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's is 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 very ironic how, you know, we talk about democracy, we talk about fascism and we look at, you know, just the breakdown and when you break the movie down and you see point A to point B and you see just how different they are. Mm-hmm. You know, there's it's like there's no middle ground. It's just very, very good or very, very bad. You yeah. know, and it's the same thing that we see in, in, in our world today. You know, you, yeah. you have very, very good leaders where everybody respects them, might not necessarily agree with what their their talking points are, yeah. so to speak, but they have a level of respect for them, yeah. just like with Mufasa. And then you have a fascist, which is a scar, which is that dictator, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and and everybody has a fear because they don't know what's going to happen. And when yeah. he brings those hyenas in, everybody's like, okay, he's a lion, they're hyenas. There's a, a natural bad blood between mm-hmm. the two animal groups. But he finds a way to make a pact with them to bring that evil into their, their home. Yeah. And, you know, 
it just brings this negative energy and vibes to it. But I think the interesting is the interesting thing is too though is that he ends up turning on them in the end. Yeah. Like they support him and they I think that he also kind of leads them by fear. But mm-hmm. then he turns against them because they are natural enemies. And that really mm-hmm. is something that you see in a fascist is like they will get everyone to support them, but then they'll turn on people like mm-hmm. super quick. Right. And when you have that like in your own life and in society, it's mm-hmm. really hard for you to like face your trauma and deal yeah. with your fears when you have someone that's like always in your face but then we'll turn Mm -hmm. on you at the drop of a hat right and you know him turning on them you know it was just because his back was against the wall yeah if his back is not pressed against the wall and the truth doesn't come out then we're still living in this fascist world you know or if simba doesn't come back we're still living in this fascist world where there's no democracy and there continues to be negative impacts that are felt all the way across And I think it is it, it is interesting because this is like one of those movies where a democracy and a fascism really just kind of go head to head against each other. Yes, and yes. it's kind of like one of those like good versus evil movies right. where obviously good wins in the end. Mm-hmm. But you really do see the difference between the two and yeah. how one is so great and one, like you said, is terrible. Right. Um, but you kind of follow the leaders that are there. And that's why it's yeah. important for us to be able to identify these and to be able to be in a democracy and right. to be able to help make decisions and to be able to be a part of that conversation so that we don't have our back against the wall have to turn on people right yeah um and and that's that's you know it all it all ties back in you know um when you talk about social learning you can't really have a social learning environment without being a democracy yeah um you know and and you look at the the flip side of both of those you know the fascism which brings ignorance you Mm -hmm. know it's 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 just you know it's it's ironic that you know you have these two words these sanctuary terms but they play a part in everything that we see and we just don't realize it because we're so accustomed to certain things that we get stuck in our own ways a lot like how the movie portrayed itself out to be in the end yeah. so well and i think it's important too that you do point out that like you really can't have one without the other right and that really is the point of doing this podcast and having these conversations is to show how all of these commitments tie together right. and how all the bizarre world ties together because again like you said you can't have a fascism without stupidity and ignorance right. and like fear in a me world like yeah. it's really important that we show how these are tied together yeah. and this really is like such a great movie to show that because it really does show like the light and dark as mm-hmm. it follows Simba, as it follows Scar, yeah. and everything that they're going through in that change. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was a good, it was a good option. Yeah, it, and, 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 and you watch that. This is something that a lot of people can relate to because even if you haven't seen the updated version of the movie, yeah. you've seen the old version of the movie, and there's so many similarities um, between the two movies that it's very, very hard to not understand the gist of the story. Yeah. Um, and how just because, you know, one is a little different, slightly different, I mean, just because of the, the, the animals looking more realistic than the 94 version, the message is still the same yeah. all the way across. Um, and, you know, there are many times when we look at certain things that we, we, we try to reflect on how does this even come about? Yeah. And with this movie, everything that we're talking about, you know, social and democracy everything has come about in the way of a movie that we can relate to yeah. in just layman's terms um that makes it mean more to us because we're able to put context yeah. to what we're really talking about and you know and that's a good point like even though it's an animated movie you know both <clears throat> versions one cartoon one like a live action mm-hmm. i think you know as a child and even as an adult at our age yeah. like, you can look and you can connect to this movie and understand like okay well this is why 
this pride is doing so well because they're under a leader that practices mm. democracy and gives everyone a decision. Like, yes, at the end of the day, Mufasa was the leader, right. but he was kind to everyone. Everyone was a part of everything they were doing. Right. And then you flip to the other side with Scar where he's a fascist mm-hmm. and he just treats everyone poorly. And it's it's really something that you can connect to kind of in your everyday life, just yeah. seeing those different, you know, different leaders and the different types of communication that there is and the different type of you know how they grow and change and all of that and i think it's really important that you know that is pointed out and we understand that terminology when we're talking about that right and i mean even when you you look at the terminology and you look at the sanctuary model and and just how important it is to everyday life you know it, it brings you to a place where these are the same terms that we, you know, we know every single day of the week. We can look at the dictionary or not look at the dictionary and know exactly what the term means, but we don't realize that we're using it because this is just what we've been accustomed to doing. Yeah. Um, and, and like you said, it just it's, it just ties back into this movie so well because it does, it's relatable. Yeah. You know, it's very relatable. And that's the thing what I love the most about some of these terms you know, when you talk about the seven commitments and you look at them and how they are able to relate to what you're going through and you relate to, you know, something like a movie. Yeah. It makes it mean more to you than just saying, oh, well, what is this term? Oh, I get what the term yeah. means. But when you're able to use it in everyday life, and you're able to say, okay, how does context provide value? Mm-hmm. You look at a movie like The Lion King and it's like right then and there and it provides that value. And I definitely think that this is one of the easier movies to look at because really all seven commitments really are demonstrated in this movie. We've gone over social learning and Mm -hmm. democracy Mm -hmm. um, and even like the flip side of those, which is the ignorance and stupidity Mm -hmm. and the fascism. fascism. Mm -hmm. But really there is nonviolence in the movie, you know, when um, Simba decides to kind of work with Timon and Pumbaa and he's with them in life and he learns that, you know, animals can coexist together. There's emotional intelligence where they're all kind of sensitive to each other emotions and mm-hmm. you know they're under you know Timon and Pumbaa really understand what he's going through and help right. him to overcome that right. there again is the social learning the democracy there's open communication that we Very see so. um, and that's one that we've covered quite a few times because that's one of the easier ones to get yeah. on um, and then we have the social responsibility yeah. which we have kind of touched on the backside here mm-hmm. um, where it's it's taking responsibility for your mistakes and your actions and mm-hmm. going back to you know, doing the right thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, as George had said at one point, um, Simba going back to the pride and kind of getting yeah. the pride back and thinking that he was at fault for what happened. Mm-hmm. He really goes back and like rectifies that. Mm-hmm. And then again, growth and change. Like, yeah. you know, Simba is growing and changing through this process. Like this is just one of those wonderful movies where we see every single one of them, yeah. but we also see the bizarre world of every single one of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the the like you said you know there are many aspects of the whole seven commitments you know you talk about the non-violence in the movie you know the violent aspect is you know when scarlet simba fall and he ultimately mm-hmm. kills him yeah you know or the insensitivity of the movie when you know scar is not sensitive to simba actually watching his father die yeah. and not really thinking about how much that damages him because simba adored mufasa yeah. you know without question um, the ignorance and stupidity that like, we talked about the fascism, like we talked about the silence and secrecy is another one where, you know, Scar battled with this. He knew exactly what he had done, you know, and he made everybody believe that in secrecy that it was Simba who yeah. killed Mufasa, you know, and it wasn't until his pride got in the way mm-hmm. that the truth really came out. Um, the me, you know, Scar 
throughout the movie, you know, from the very beginning of the movie, you know, I should be king, I should be king, mm-hmm. you're not king. And, you know, every decision that he made that affected Simba, when Simba would go run off and, you know, almost got eaten by the hyenas, you know, things like that. The, the message that he told, he wanted to destroy Simba and Simba's ability to rise to the occasion to be yeah. the king in order for him to have that me mentality like, this should be me, not you, this should yeah. be me. And when you talk about stagnation, you watch how the pride, you know, watch how the pride changes. And, you know, it goes to this place where there's no growth. You know, it just looks so dark and gloomy. Um, There was so many aspects of this movie, like you said, that tied into every bit of the Seven Commitments. And on the flip side, the bizarre will of those Seven Commitments. And I think that's why it's like a really important one to address. Because I feel like ones that we've addressed in the past, like you kind of reach for some of these commitments. They're Mm -hmm. there, but they're harder to find. But this movie very clearly shows all seven on like the good side with Simba and Mm -hmm. all seven when you're looking from Scar um, for the bizarre world. And I think that's why it's a good one to talk about because we can touch on everything and go into depth on those conversations. But, you know, we really are trying to teach how the seven commitments are a way to live by and how they do really help um, companies and people in in your life to be better and more successful. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're in the bizarre world you're kind of just stuck in stagnation and in like this like really violent like world where you can't move on and Simba was stuck in that for a while when he was traveling through the desert and he almost dies Mm -hmm. but then he's saved by these two random animals that really kind of teach him about life and help him to grow and Mm -hmm. um, you know then he's able to find himself and go back and help everyone in his pride yeah and and you think about it you know like you said he, he was stuck in his own gloom he was stuck in a rut, you know, and, you know, here these two animals come on and, you know, they're teaching him, you know, we can coexist like you spoke about earlier. Yeah. And then here comes the Kuna Matata song, you yeah. know, everybody's <laughs> favorite song to talk about, you know, and that right there in itself, you know, it just shows that when you're able to step outside of yourself, you're able to step outside of your comfort zone, we can coexist, you know, but yep. we have to learn how to do that. And it's really kind of Simba too overcoming his trauma. Yeah. And you see him doing it through the seven commitments. Right. He's he's open, he's focusing on emotions of himself mm-hmm. and others. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's becoming nonviolent even though yeah. he's a lion. There's just there's so many aspects to this movie. We could talk about this like literally forever. Forever. And we would never like have enough information to hit right. every single one of these topics. Right. Because the movie it it literally there is so much growth to learn from this movie yeah you know um this movie will literally give you life lessons that unless you are willing to open your eyes and open your ears and and be receptive of the movie you don't think about these things but these things are hit you know and it does go back to you know how how much we devote our time um to making these changes in our own lives to live better um just how Simba had to do you know he had to go through something in order for him to reach his you know his version of the seven commitments yeah um and not turn like his uncle Scar does and have this bizarre world aspect and outlook of what life looks like for the Lion King yeah well I think that pretty much covers all I of think it we did it so thank you George for coming oh, on I today we will um have you back I appreciate it <laughs> And that is the end of episode five. I hope you enjoyed and maybe learned something new. Thanks for listening.